Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season two episode, I have no clue what episode we're on. This is like episode, I don't know. (laughs) We're on it today. (laughs) Eight, nine, ten-ish, maybe. It's 11. 11. And I'm joined today by um, my esteemed guest, colleague, not a colleague, friend, Chad Stewart. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dave. And Chad is here to talk with us about uh, one of my favorite subjects, and that is movies. Um, Now, why why spend a whole episode talking about movies? And that's because uh, in this day and age, movies really are literature. And and, uh, a lot of folks don't read, but they watch movies. Uh, and, And movies really have a way of communicating uh, worldview and dealing with issues that matter in life. And I, I think a lot of Christians watch movies way too passively without thinking about what's going on, what the director's trying to do, what, he's, what he or she's trying to say. And so we brought in our, our resident expert, <laughs> Chad Stewart, to help us think about um, how to watch movies. So, so Chad, tell us, Give us like a, a one minute bio of you, your family, and then we'll talk about your professional stuff in a moment. But just tell us who, who's Chad Stewart. Uh, so I'm married to Kayla Stewart. We have eight kids, um, all grown, all adults, um, and uh, been in Spokane since off and on since 2007. Okay, and, and from originally, I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Okay, and Kayla's originally from here. Spokane. And you spent 20 years in California. 20 years in LA. And how many years in the movie business? I started, my first job was the summer of 1990. Okay. And I still kind of consider having a toe in there. I, yeah. don't, I don't do a whole lot, but I'm pretty connected in with yeah. a lot of people. So I, I love talking about movies with Chad um, because you always have interesting things to say, good recommends. By the way, best movie you've seen in the last three to six months. Oh, you ask me this all all the time. I know. I, I, I always want recommends, and uh, I, I freeze up in the in the moment. Um, you know, the the first thing that that comes to mind, like I, I I'm always looking at, at trends, and so I'm, I'm I'm thinking in terms of animated uh, content, and I would say the the um, the Spider Man. Into the Spider Verse, across the Spider Verse stuff, mm. some of the better stuff that's coming out, as opposed to what historically has been good in animation, which is yeah. has been uh, kind of the Marvel stuff, the Disney stuff, which is is really kind of going off and, the cliff. And there's kind of, there's kind of a move uh, t- to bring back classic animation. There, what's the what's the term for it? The uh, hand drawn, yeah, hand drawn animation. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess I guess there's a a new show out of Japan that's that's amazing. It's all hand drawn. My boys went and saw and said it was incredible. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but uh, the boy and the heron. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that would be Studio Ghibli um, okay. Miyazaki, who okay. did a number of the big sort of anime movies of the '90s and 2000s, uh, Princess Mononoke, um, and uh, My Neighbor Totoro. That that mm-hmm. genre. But he had retired for a number of years and then had come back. Uh, and unretired so mm. yeah hand drawn around the world never really went away as much as it did in the united mm. states so there's still in europe 
in Japan, there's still a pretty heavy uh, fan base. We're jumping ahead a little bit. Okay. Okay, so let's back up one step. Why are we talking about animation? And it's because for 20 years, that was your vocation. Yeah. So, so tell us what you did in Hollywood. So my first job, um, so I became an animator in, in 1990, as I said. Um, my first job was for The Simpsons, um, second season. Hey, this, this, this is a church podcast, I, I know, Chad. I know. This, you know, I was in my 20s. I, 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 but I, I love how The Simpsons, they make fun of everybody. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. fair game in The Simpsons. Yeah. And there's actually some really profound stuff in The Simpsons. And I, I remember uh, many years ago reading an article in World Magazine about The Simpsons, and several of the writers were Christians early on. You know, in hand-drawn animation, there were there was a pretty heavy Christian influence in a lot of different yeah. um, a lot of different studios. Disney, especially some of yeah. the biggest names at Disney in the '90s were were Christian names and mm. still go to church. Um, yeah. So it's um, it's been kind of a shift as as you know, the whole world has shifted. Um, so, so on the Simpsons, what, who did you draw? So I worked on four episodes. Um, mostly I did background. So the, the kind of the easiest one to spot is Bart the daredevil where he was jumping all the canyons and on his skateboard. I designed all the canyons. (laughs) I designed Mr. Burns car. Uh, and then I did some character work with Bart and Homer and Lisa, uh, uh, on the putt putt when Bart was a professional uh, miniature golf uh, pro. Now I think I think that show still has the record of it's the it's the longest running uh, serial show I think in the history of it, it was Mash for a long time and yeah. then I think The Simpsons I think they're still doing new episodes right they are yeah it's crazy Incredible. I can't I it yeah. is it is how I track my career because literally I was on the second season so I can always know like. I mean, it's been like 30 plus years, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So th- then what'd you do next? So for the next 10 years, I worked in hand-drawn animation, sat at a desk, drew pictures and uh, flipped them. Uh, I worked for a number of small different companies um, that were associated with bigger things. Like I, I did some stuff for Universal, um, some uh, Christmas specials, Hopus and Bill, A Wish for Wings at Work. And then got into the movies with some movies, some smaller movies for Turner, for Ted Turner, uh, The Page Master, and Cats Don't Dance. And then in 96, uh, got hired at Disney and animated on Tarzan, uh, Fantasia 2000, and Emperor's New Groove. Great movies. Yeah. And, but, but, but my favorite show you did by far is Surf's Up. So, which is such a good show. It's that's still one of my top three or four favorite kids movies, quote unquote. My so clever. My two biggest sort of claim to fames now are funny because it's it's I animated Pull the Lever Crunk in uh, Emperor's New Groove, and I animated all of Chicken Joe's surfing in Surfs Up. So those are the ones that I still get the most street cred uh, with. <laughs> and and in Tarzan, what did you do? I worked on. Turk, the sidekick gorilla. I worked on that crew. And then the baboons, all the hundreds of baboons chasing after Tarzan and Jane. That, the music for that was done by Phil Collins. Yes. Great soundtrack. Yeah. Great soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, that movie has a special place in my heart because when my son William was recovering from his brain surgery in the hospital, uh, he watched that like 30 times. <laughs> I remember you told me that once and it was like, <laughs> it made the pain... 
<laughs> a little more worth it. <laughs> it. It is. It is a. It's. A, it's a great story. It's. A, it's a great movie. Good. Good soundtrack. The animation's awesome in that movie. I. I that's one of my favorite Tarzan. Yeah, we actually good. watched that after we hung out with you guys. Wait, oh, good. Because we'd been intending to watch it. We went and watched it again, and we were all like, "This is really good." <laughs> it's. I, I think it's the best movie I've ever worked on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Tarzan. Tarzan, as a movie, as a story. I mean, Surf's Up's pretty good. It, I, it is. <laughs> and, so and there's clever. some other good ones, uh, but yeah. <clears throat> so in, in 2000, to sort of make the shift, yeah. hand-drawn animation at, at pretty much across the, the U.S. was going away. Disney held on to it for a little longer, and I got hired by Sony because CG was on the rise, mm. but they didn't have enough animators. So they started hiring hand-drawn animators and, and training us. I got hired by Sony and worked on Stuart Little 2, and then Sony kind of began to create their own studio, Polar Express, Open Season, and then Surf's Up. Mm. Polar Express is pretty good, too. Did it, you work on that? I did. Yeah, okay. I was a, a lead animator. Why, did, why didn't you say something? Well, you know, it's... <laughs> it is. It's a great it story. A very, very different type of animation on that movie. So too. that that was motion capture yeah, where they dress yeah. everybody up in the ah. wetsuits with the ping pong balls on them. And, yeah, yeah. And give them to the animators, and we redo everything. And Tom Hanks plays like four or five different characters in that movie. I think. Well, it is. I mean, that's the the um, the marketing line, but he uh, he, he still looked like a 50 year old on a 12 year old's body. So the animators, we kind of had to redo a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> so it was false advertising. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and now, tell us what you do now. So, uh, Kayla, uh, my wife, uh, had this great idea because we homeschooled our kids that we saw the rise of online education. And so we thought, well, let's put out a, um, a, an online animation course for middle school and high school kids. And we did that in 2015, thinking it would be kind of a side gig. Because I, we moved up here. I, I freelanced. I did stuff for all sorts of different, um, the U.S. Army and, and, and different organizations. And then um, it just took off. And so we've been doing that since, um, like I said, 2015. So almost 10 years now. And, and that's kind of become the full-time full gig, mm. teaching uh, students around the world. Do you miss the movie business? I miss, um, I, you know, I miss what we had in the 90s and the 2000s, but it's, it's changed quite a bit. And I don't miss staying up until two or three o'clock in the morning. And I don't miss the egos and I don't miss uh, the traffic and all of those things. So um, I, I work on my own stuff. I, I create my own films and, and I work with students and, and I enjoy that. But uh, But there's nothing like, you know, a big movie that's going to be released. And, um, but I don't miss it enough to go back and do it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about, um, movies. So first question is what are your favorite movies and why? Um, wow. So I have a lot of favorite movies. People ask me that a lot. And I usually have a list in my phone of like, you know, 25 movies. So I'll, I'll throw some of them out there. Yeah. And, I love old movies, so you know I, I go back to um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was one that was a, a big 
kind of impact movie for me. Chariots of Fire. Mm. Um, I love that movie. Uh, in animation, love Sleeping Beauty as a classic, um, sort of a newer classic. I love Up, uh, mm. which is a great, great film. Some kind of sleepers. Um, there was a movie on Netflix probably about 10 years ago called The Little Prince, which I just think is a, it's a great, mm. wonderful kind of independent animated movie. Um, but I, I, like, I like stories, and I, I like finding stories in, in unexpected places. So th- there's, you know, TV shows have changed quite a bit and, and become more narrative. Mm. Uh, and so there's some, some great shows out there. But then, you know, I, I kind of live in the 90s a little bit, 90s to 2000s, um, yeah. quickly down under. Oh, I uh, love that movie. Silverado. I love, yep. I love some great Westerns. Yep. So. That's, that's a young Kevin Costner. Yeah. And Silverado. Yeah. Uh, Danny Glover is in that as well. Yeah. Um, Kevin Klein. Yep. Scott Glenn. Classic Western. Um, so why, why do you think people are so drawn into movies? What's the, what's the pull with movies, stories? So, you know, we're, I think we're designed to, to respond to stories. I mean, the Bible is full of stories. Um, the Bible itself is a, an entire story um, that we're all living in. And I think we look to mentors, we look to heroes. There, there's a certain structure to modern storytelling, and there are different roles. Um, and if those roles are, are presented properly, then we almost instantly just hardwire in to, to root for something to happen, mm-hmm. something good to happen, redemption, forgiveness. These are, these are things, especially as Christians, that, that we want to see lived out, and a movie allows us a, a quick and easy way to almost live it out, but to see it in a very quick, short amount of time. And I think that's the, the lure of movies is something that might take 10 years in our own life to develop. We can sit down, do little to no effort, and eat while it happens in an hour and a half or two yeah. hours. Yeah. Um, how, how, should, how should Christians think about the whole movie-watching experience? Uh, as, as they approach a movie, what, what should they be considering? So, and I teach a story class to my students, and I, I will tell them this first and foremost, this, and I'll, I'll sort of get on my soapbox almost every week, is that, that you need to be paying attention. It's so easy to just sit down and have it playing in the background and, and just have it kind of running, or we just kind of check out, and we're, we're not really thinking about what's on the screen, but, but every moment of a movie is designed and is specifically for a particular reason from the director. And usually that's in the, the service of a theme or an idea. That, so I, I look at a movie as a, like a legal argument. You know, you can have the prosecution and defense present the same f- facts, but they're going to use context and they're going to tweak the situation. They're going to look at, um, they're going to justify certain things and they're going to present it to, um, to make an argument for a specific idea. Well, a movie does the same thing. And if we 
I, I think a lot of times we look at movies as sort of a reflection of reality. And we say, oh, well, that, I look at that and I say, well, that must be what my life is. But I think our culture has done that. So we see what's on the screen and we say, oh, then that must be what my life is. But it isn't. It's all fake. We, nothing about a movie is real. That's why they had to make it you know, based on a true story, because even that isn't true. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is designed to convince an audience of a specific idea. So many of my friends that I talk to about movies will say something like, well, it's, it's just a story. Like there's, there's nothing that's trying that's, that's being said. And I always want to push back and say, no, like the, the director, the writer is trying to say something like no, no matter how simple the story is or the plot is, or no, no matter how funny the movie might, might be, it seems like there's always a message that's being communicated in the story, in the details. Um, so what would you say to someone who says, well, it's just chat, it's just entertainment, it's just a movie, like I'm just, I just want to relax and just watch a show and, and just enjoy myself and, and not think too much. Um, what would you say to that person? So recently I saw on Netflix uh, a series, Movies That Made Us, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a great documentary. Yeah, yeah. And I love in the, the Dirty Dancing one, which is not a movie I love, but I really enjoyed that, that episode because the writer and the, the woman who, who pitched it, it explains the whole thing right there. She said, you know, I wanted to make an issue of the abortion issue. And I was willing to use Patrick Swayze's good looks and all of these great dance routines and all of these great songs and this wonderful setting to convince everyone that I was right. And, and that's... I've been in meetings, uh, numerous story meetings. This is, this is not child's play. It's not considered something that uh, people who make these movies are not looking at this as a, as a passive thing. It's merely entertainment. Right. right. No, they are making a case to change the world. Even in the Pixar movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, well, it, we, we've talked about this. Yeah. So, so give us some examples. So there was a movie at Sony we were developing, and uh, it was basically kind of a retelling of the old movie Lost Horizons, which is the finding of Shangri-La. And we were going to do it with um, uh, endangered and extinct animals. So we're going to create a valley of all of these, the dodo bird and all of these other extinct animals. And we were trying to figure out, you know, how do we, you know, how do we make this seem real. So I came up with the idea that we, we start off on, on Noah's Ark on a mountain and we pan down into this lush valley and it's all the animals that were off of Noah's Ark that never left the valley and they're all still there. Yeah. And instantly the, the rest of the room turned into, oh, and we can make the villain a religious zealot mm. who, who hates you know, freedom and all of these things. And, yeah. it, and it, was, it was a completely different story. Wow. So um, I remember watching Wally for the first time, and I thought, "This is the story of Noah's Ark." Oh yeah, and, and, and my friend's like, "No, Dave, you're thinking too much." I was like, "No, like, like think about think about the arc of this story." So the Earth is destroyed by pollution or whatever, uh, and then this massive ship takes everyone off of the Earth, and then this this white uh, what's her name Eve, mm-hmm. the white little robot is sent out to find life. 
and she brings back like a a little plant yeah, to the ark. Yeah, like yeah. this is this is totally Noah's ark. Yeah, and I'm sure the director. I, I don't know who directed that or wrote that. Uh, Jim Reardon was uh, he was one of the early Simpsons guys actually. Really? Yeah. So I thought you know he he may or may not be a Christian, but clearly he's he's pulling from this this biblical story. Yeah. So I, I don't yeah. know if you. Agree, disagree, or oh, I think he's pulling from it. I, I, Pete Doctor is kind of one of the head guys. Has been one of the main guys there at Pixar for many, many years. Yeah. Um, and I, I Pete and I went to uh, school at the same time, and and I knew of him. I, he doesn't really know me, but yeah. but he had uh, some pretty Christian uh, heavy influences. I would say. Yeah in his life. So certainly people are aware of that and they're aware of the symbolism and, um, and over the last 15 years as the culture has shifted, it's sort of a circular, um, thing that happens is the more the culture shifts in that direction, the more studios tend to shift thinking, okay, well, this is what the the public wants. We're going to give them what they want. And I think we're seeing, I'm hopeful that we're seeing sort of the end of that because it's now, it's not working. Yeah. Um, the, the movies they're making are not making a lot of money. Yeah. And that ultimately will drive something, a, a shift in a different direction. And the whole crowdfunding model is also, I think, changing this, this yeah. whole world. Yeah. I was talking to my wife last night and she, um, she heard or saw a headline or read a story about the, the I guess they're, they're going to, they're going to reboot um, Star Wars again and do episode 10, 11, 12, I guess, because we've already done one through nine has been done, right? Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, the, the director, her, she said, my goal with these three movies is to make men really uncomfortable. Yeah. I thought uh, at, least she's, at least she's being yeah. open and honest about, about how she's going to create these movies uh, and what she's trying to do. And so and I think that's the point is that every director is trying to do or say something yes and as christians we 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 have to ask the question what is being said what worldview is being promoted and and we should interact with this we should think about this and not just adopt it and i think sometimes a movie's message is more dangerous to people than maybe even the violent content or something else about the movie um and i think christians should be very careful what they watch obviously um but I think most Christians just watch movies and they kind of shut their brains off and they're not asking these questions. Yeah. What is being said? What is being communicated? Because movies are literature now and the, the writer, would it be the, the writer, director, who would be the person who, who is in charge of the story typically? So it, it depends okay. from movie to movie. I mean, the writer is certainly going to have a huge influence. Yeah. Sometimes the director is going to be... Um, have a little more political power and be able to kind of push back yeah. and change. Ultimately, the director is the one that is tasked with creating the vision. Yeah. But even then, you get somebody above the director who might be... Now, as movies move into franchises and we have multiple movies telling a, a greater story, then now you're having a person above that, mm. above an individual film director who is responsible to to tell the entire story. So there's... There's lots of people that have influence, but those are going to be the three big ones. Yeah, yeah. So, so what what advice would would you give to 
uh, someone at GCF who says, Chad, how, how should I think about watching movies? What should I watch? Uh, what should my standards be? Any, any advice to just open advice to people that love movies? So I would say, and this is what I tell my students, like it's okay to watch a movie that you don't agree with the theme. As long as you understand, okay, I don't agree. Because the theme could be anywhere from, like, like you said, yeah. hey, um, we think that um, you know, Will Ferrell is funny and we want to make, uh, make a statement about you know, it's good to be married married and they're going to do it in this sort of crass horrible way so you, you might agree with the theme but the the crassness might not be worth the watch right whereas um a, a different movie you know princess bride is one i use as, as an example which the christian community generally has embraced um and i think there's a lot of good reasons i love the movie it's it's superbly crafted but I also will say to my students, okay, when Inigo Montoya says, you know, you, you killed my father, prepare to die. Do, is there anyone in the audience who says, you know, no, revenge is a bad That's thing. murder. That's murder. <laughs> Would you, if you had a friend who was in the same position as Inigo Montoya, would you tell him right. to, to murder and, and take revenge on his father? So moralities get changed. Each movie creates its own sense of what is right and what is wrong. And we, as long as we're aware of that and we can analyze that, I, I don't think that, I, I think there's a, as you said, if, if you're thinking about, no, it's not really happening, then you're being influenced whether you think of, whether you know it or not. No. I, I went to one seminar uh, of, a, of a guy who was talking about movies as an art form and he said you know this is what a movie is someone will pay me for the experience to sit in a dark room while i shine lights in their eyes and and feed ideas into their brain for mm -hmm. two hours mm -hmm. and that's what a movie is yeah and if we're looking at it as i'm just going to kick back and relax well we don't even realize the experience is going on but if we if we realize okay what is being fed into me not necessarily what I like because I it's it's easy. They're going to use the tools of of laughter and and art and design and cleverness, and they're going to use music and all of these different tools to convince us of this argument. Well, I can enjoy the music and the art and the design and all of those things and not agree with the theme. Yeah, and and if I walk out of that theater, I, I think that's fine. Yeah. and I think that's engaging in our world and right. understanding what our culture is, is believing, because a lot of people in the culture, this is their Bible. Right. So one of my all-time favorite movies, which, which is usually number one all-time on IMDb, is Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Um, it's such a powerful movie. Um, but uh, I, I've, I've thought to myself many times, why do I like this show so much? And why is it so immensely popular? There's a couple things. It's it's like a it's a classic bromance. It, mm -hmm. It's really about the relationship between Morgan Freeman and um, uh, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a great like relationship story. Um, and, and at the end, there's there's such a wonderful sense of justice. Um, 
and, and irony. At the same time, the bad guy is an awful religious hypocrite. Mm-hmm. He, he claims to be a Christian. It's, this is the this is like a major spoiler, but I'm, if you haven't seen <laughs> yeah. this movie, shame yeah. on you. <laughs> but he's, you know, he, he he claims to be this really religious Christian man, and he's just a rank hypocrite, yeah, and an evil, evil person. And it's no coincidence that that the that the writer slash director has the bad guy as this religious fundamentalist. I mean, clearly Christianity is being portrayed in that movie as as not a good thing. But at a deeper level, so th- there's also the themes of the gospel in the movie. Oh, yeah. Where you have an innocent man yeah. who crawls through mud, mud and, and yeah. sewage yeah. for miles yeah. and saves a broken man who is repentant. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's definitely a contrast there yeah. that they're doing on purpose, the the religious hypocrite versus the actual gospel. Yeah. Um, another movie is uh, The Green Mile, which is, yeah. is similar. I, st- I still haven't seen that, but That's I, I need movie. to watch that. Yeah. I, I'm tr- I want to read it first. It was, it's a short story by Stephen King. Yeah. And um, So is uh, Shawshank Redemption. Is that Stephen King too? Yeah. yeah. My favorite scene in Shawshank, one of my favorite scenes, is uh, when the prison warden, again, this is a massive spoiler, but he comes into Andy Dufresne's uh, cell. And uh, Andy has his little rock hammer hidden inside his Bible. And the, and the prison warden doesn't know that, but he grabs the Bible and holds onto it. And then he hands it back to him and he says to Andy, salvation lies within. There's a double meaning there because yeah. it's the Bible, but then the, <laughs> the, 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 the little hammer is inside the Bible, which really is his salvation in the movie. Yeah. So there's all kinds of, of interesting themes in that movie of, of redemption, revenge, um, there, there is, there are some deep underlying gospel themes as well. Um, but a movie like that, you, you can't just watch it passively. Yeah. You have to be thinking, um, how is everyone being portrayed? What are the mm. themes? What is the writer trying to say in this movie? I guess it's Stephen King who wrote it. So, and I, I don't think he's a Christian. Um, I don't think so, but I do think a lot more people in Hollywood wrestle with the the overall truths of life yeah. and they don't necessarily throw out the teachings of Christ yeah as much as they they look at the church from a you know 10,000 foot view and say I don't want anything to do with that yeah but because they're made in God's image they they still have a sense of justice and mm-hmm. right and wrong and redemption um I, I think that's why there's so many revenge movies like Gladiator. Yeah. At the very end of Gladiator, we're all, we're all rooting when Maximus stabs the evil emperor in the back when he murders him. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're on a Gladiator arena, but um, it's, it's murder, but we're all cheering. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's because deep down inside, we all long for justice, which is a, which is a good and right and Christian theme. But of course, justice belongs to God. But if you're a non-Christian, you you still you still want redemption and justice, and uh, which is why I think that theme shows up all the time in movies. Yeah, and it's a whole lot easier to find it in a movie. Yeah, than it is in your real life. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. It's, it's easier to escape in that. Yeah. yeah, in that realm. Yeah, my favorite movie of all time is The Iron Giant. 
Oh, I yeah. Love that such movie. a great movie. There's some great gospel themes in that movie. Yeah. I, I, who, I, I don't know who did. Who, Brad, Brad Bird, same guy who, who did, did The Incredibles. Incredibles. Yeah. yeah. And, and he has kind of a quasi-Christian worldview, correct? Like you, 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 you knew him, right? Yeah. I've met Brad uh, a couple of times. Um, I would not say he's a Christian, but okay. I do think it shows up in his, in his themes and his writing. Mm. Yeah. And the first Incredibles and the second Incredibles are very different movies. Yeah. And he wrote both of them. Yeah, and I love the first one, and I, the second one I did not like at all. It, it, and it seemed like his worldview dramatically changed. And I would, I would guess it probably did. Yeah, I, I think that there was a moment where culturally, especially in the movie world, there was a sense of, oh, we've been doing it wrong. We're so sorry, and mm. now we're going to make amends yeah. by these stories that we're going to tell or we're going to support. Yeah, but they're not hitting the public the same way. They don't create the, the, the audiences, they don't pull the audience's heartstrings the same way. Right. They're not crafted as well. They're, we don't resonate with the stories. Um, and so I think we're seeing the result of that is movies that are well crafted, but the stories aren't really connecting with an audience. Yeah. Or at least they're connecting with a, a small part of the audience, not yeah. the overall audience. And, and I think a really, really good movie makes you feel something more than just that was entertaining. Yeah. But it, it really makes you think and it, whether that's a feeling of sadness or a feel, feeling of redemption. Um, but I think that's, that's even more important than like, Oh, that was, you know, that was fun. That was, it was fun to watch all that action. Right. Um, I think people people want to feel something. They 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 want to they want to be, really be able to relate to the story. Mm. Um, so we we, we got to wrap this up. Um, in conclusion, tell us what are like the three to five movies you think everyone needs to watch, and tell us why. Maybe three three movies that we we just must watch, and tell us why we need to watch them. Wow. Okay. On the spot. Let me see if I can come up with with three. Um. While he's thinking, there's, Brian, there's, Brian, you can jump in too. And, and, <laughs> and there's, there's movies that I think have powerful messages that um, you have to be careful with. Right. Mm. And, and so I, I want to be aware of, I would never recommend a movie just outright to anyone. You know, there's some people who are going to want to watch with VidAngel, and there are going to be some people who are going to struggle, and, and, and there's an, an element there. But um, Unforgiven is one that, that comes to mind, which is a, such a good movie. Yeah. Which, Western. Yeah. Uh, from the nineties, probably. Yeah. Clint Eastwood. Yep. And Hackman in that one too. Yeah. Such yeah. a profound movie. Yeah. And, and those are the kinds of movies I think that will push us to, like you said, they're, they're going to do more than just, you, you can't even really, you can't even really just have it on. You but, have to sort of be engaged. By the way, uh, Senior Pastor Emeritus Bill Farley loved that movie. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. So I'm on the right track. Yeah. Well, be, be, because it's it's it, it really, um, I mean, it really deglamorizes killing. Yeah. Murder, um, and just like the theme of bitterness and unforgiveness is really profound in that movie. That's a great line. We've all got it coming. Yeah. And so so that's one. 
Um, this one's a really hard one, but it's it's one of the, the there's two that I sort of lump in the same category, and this is the harder one. Um, Schindler's List, okay. um, but is just I, to me, it's one of the saddest movies of all time. But it is a again a movie that um, if you if you use VidAngel, then you, VidAngel's going to get busy. But but there's <laughs> there's a there's a you know really profound again examination of humanity and mm-hmm. what we're capable of. Life is beautiful is another movie mm, that yes. that's in that category. Really sad, yeah, but hard to watch, but very very good, yeah. Um, so then let me do something lighter, because uh, those are those are pretty heavy. Um, I go back to Up, man. I love Up. That's a great movie. It, yep. It's that 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 scene. Um, when they're they're kind of like replaying his life yeah, with yeah. his with his wife is like who's not going to sob right it's, oh. it's such a tearjerker that was that was the movie I, what I watched with my kids where they were like oh dad cries a lot because <laughs> I was not ready for that yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody was it hit you in the first like, five minutes what? yeah everyone's sobbing yeah yeah who 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 wrote up was that Pete Doctor okay. Yeah, there's that whole group of writers with Pixar, um, Steve Lasseter, Brad Bird. Uh, so the the four kind of main, you know, people that that started kind of the heart of Pixar were um, John Lasseter, John Lasseter, uh, yeah, Pete, yeah. Pete Doctor, Andrew Stanton, who wrote and directed Finding Nemo, and then Joe Ramped, who was kind of the head of story on all of those. Okay, um, and Joe uh, was my storyboard teacher in in college. There's a, there's a great uh, documentary about Pixar. I think it's called the Pixar Story. Oh, where um, they they talk about how the whole, the whole thing started around around a um, a cafe table somewhere in Hollywood, where those four guys sat down and yeah. talked about the kind of the their vision for Pixar and the stories. And it's really I think it's called the Pixar Story. Uh, have you have you seen that? I think I have. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really good. There's a, there's a number of them, but I think that's. One of them. And the first 10 movies were fantastic. The story writing was incredible, great themes, and then it just fell off a cliff. Like, I don't know what happened. Well, you know, a number of things happened. Um, so Joe died in a car accident um, mm. uh, in the 2007, somewhere around there. Um, maybe earlier. Uh, Andrew Stanton went to try live action um, John Laster, so Disney bought Pixar. John Laster left and became the uh, chief creative officer at, at Disney. And then he was removed because of the Me Too movement mm. and some things that had happened there. And so Pete Docter became the, his replacement at Pixar. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, and when he took over... There, there has been this cultural movement, especially at Disney, to really begin to embrace some of the things that, that culturally we were doing wrong. Mm. And, and I think he really either bought into it personally or certainly the companies said, this is the way we want to go. This is the way we want to tell stories. And there wasn't the same sort of unified brain trust that came together Hmm. that really worked through and and beyond that that brain trust had really 
exhausted the stories they wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. That's one of the problems when you get the the Disney Renaissance in the '90s or or the early Pixar movies is after a while the public yeah. has seen what they have to say, right? And they don't really have another viewpoint yet mm. because they haven't gone out and lived through another huge, major, life-altering experience that that drives those new stories. Mm. Mm. Well, Chad, we could talk all day. I'd love to talk all day. But we got we yeah. got to wrap it up. But thank you so much for coming and giving us your expertise. Really appreciate it. Thanks for those recommends. And thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, discipleship, and evangelism. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org.